This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you here today. God bless you. If you need a Bible, raise your hand or ushers will get you the Word of God. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 7 is where we'll begin this morning here on our Wake Up series. Just a couple things I want to encourage you on. One, just remember that the Lord Jesus said in um, John 16, that he said the Holy Spirit would lead you and guide you into the truth. And so I, I, I believe it's very important that you welcome the Holy Spirit to teach you. He's the great teacher. And then a second area in John 16, Lord Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would convict you of sin. Are you open to his conviction? And he doesn't convict us of sin to beat us up. He convicts us of sin to get us back on the right track. So we begin here with that thought on Matthew 7, verse 13. And if you'll notice, this is red letter words. This is the Lord Jesus. And he said, enter by the narrow gate. The New Living Translation says, you can enter God's kingdom only by the narrow gate. That's interesting. I, I like that translation. You can only enter God's kingdom by the narrow gate. Why would the Lord Jesus say it would be narrow? Because there's only one way in through the, the Lord Jesus. So John 14, verse 6, it says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through the Son. So when he says, I am the truth, he didn't say, I am a truth. I am the truth. I am the way. In other words, there's no other way. And so that's why I believe he's telling us it's such a narrow road. And to help you with that, just a little bit more. Back, back in Matthew 16, the Lord Jesus asked his disciples, he said, hey boys, who do men say that I am? And they replied and said, some say you're the prophet, some say you're a priest. Some say you're John the Baptist. But then he asked him the million dollar question. He said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to Peter's response and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona. Blessed are you. So again, it, it has us right there where I can only look to Jesus. And you know what? I have a lot of people tell me to these days, well, I don't believe the Bible. Well, it's okay. I do. I believe the word of God. And so you're going to believe something in your life, but your eternal destination is based on the Savior. So keep reading. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Now, it's interesting to hear that he uses the word broad and wide leads to destruction. One translation says it leads to the highway to hell. What road? This wide road, this, this broad road. And listen how Jesus ends verse 13 and he says, and there are many who go in by it. Many. In other words, the road to destruction is a pretty crowded road. Why is it the road to destruction? Because they don't live on the narrow road. They don't do what God says to do, and God's way is the only legitimate way. Any other way is an illegitimate way. Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, 
and difficult is the way. Now, he said narrow and difficult is the way to what? It's the way that leads to life. It's confined. And he ends it and says, but there are only a few who find it. Few are willing to accept God's way. Few are willing to do it God's way. So I'm reading this passage, and when I, I, I see the word gates, it's kind of like there's these roads. And one road going this way is narrow. But the road going this way is broad and wide. Now, you, you only know which way you're on or which road. And, and note, there's only two roads. There wasn't multiple, just two. And so it's kind of like on the loop. You're either going this way or you're going this way. But remember on the loop, there's these exit signs. And right now, if you're going in the wrong direction, you can still exit. But not only can you still exit, you can get on that little turnaround and get back on the right road. But it's a choice of yours. That's not what I'm talking about today, but we're just throwing that in there just to start with, okay? Turn back two two chapters to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and when you get to Matthew 5, verses 3 through 11, talks about this word called the Beatitudes or the Beatitudes. And in every one of those verses, the Lord Jesus starts with blessed. Blessed. Now, listen real close here to the definition of the word blessed. It indicates a large or of long duration. Happy, it is a grace word that expresses spiritual joys and satisfactions granted the person who experiences salvation. So for me to walk in these blessings, these these beatitudes that he's talking about, he's writing to people that are experiencing salvation. Now I only want to read one of them. Look with me in verse number six, Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now let me ask you a question off that. Do, do you have a hunger problem? And in the natural, when you have a hunger problem, you don't have to find time to eat. You make time to eat. You know what it's like to belly up to the trough. You make it a priority. Now the Lord said in Psalm 107.9, he fills the hungry soul with righteousness. Who who does he feel? The hungry soul. And it's interesting right here that the Lord Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we got to define what righteousness is. Righteousness is God's standard or God's way through the Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that we are the righteousness of God through Christ. And so he's telling us here, when I begin to hunger and thirst For the righteous things that Jesus, man, there's incredible stuff. But look how he ends this verse and he says, for they shall be filled. Who shall be filled? Those ones who hunger and thirst. So hunger is a a part of a, a proper functioning life. And if I don't have a spiritual appetite for the things of God, then it reveals I got a spiritual problem. Now, to your right, to the book of Luke, and we're going to spend most of our morning in Luke. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and if you're a note taker, 
You might get two, two pins ready because there is a bunch in Luke 19 that we're going to cover today. I believe the Lord wants to speak to our heart, and I believe this is another wake-up for every one of us in here this morning. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, Jericho is a real city that's still there right now. And if you were to get on the map of Israel today, Jericho is really, really close to the Dead Sea. It is on the west side of the Jordan River, and so it is called the West Bank. The West Bank is in the news a lot right now, but that's where Jericho is. Jericho is also called the City of Palms. A lot of palm trees. Verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So a couple things about this guy named Zacchaeus that you must know. Zacchaeus was born a Jew. He wasn't a wannabe Jew. He's a Jew. He was born Jewish. The second thing is he was a chief tax collector. He was high up in the IRS is what that means. The third thing, he's rich. He's friends with Bill Gates and those guys. He's rich. He's got a lot of money. Just to give you a little bit of insight on this guy named Zacchaeus. But another thing about Zacchaeus that we must know is that he, he was viewed as both a social and a religious outcast because he cooperated with the Roman government. He was hated. He was despised. He was viewed in line with sinners is how he was viewed. Verse 3. And he, Zacchaeus, sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. Now many of you remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee-wee little man. So because there was a lot of crowds, it said he couldn't see He's a little oompa loompa. He just couldn't see people, couldn't see Jesus. But the Bible's very clear here that he wanted to see Jesus because he had heard all the things that Jesus had done. Now, a word that I want you to see right there, you got to get, it says he sought. He sought. There was something on the inside of him. I believe it was hunger that says, I got to get around this guy named Jesus. But oftentimes when things don't go the way we want, we think, well, it must not be God's will or it would have just happened. Don't quit on that, okay? Just, just because things aren't happening like you think, have you ever thought this? Maybe there's an enemy called the devil that doesn't want you to hear the things of God and he'll do a lot of things to keep you. And so he couldn't see, so what does he do? Verse 4. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Now there's some nuggets in there. I mean, he, he realizes that Jesus is coming. And so what did the Bible say he did? He ran. He took off. When's the last time you ran to Jesus? And then it said he climbed the sycamore tree. I don't care what you're a chief of. How many times do you see chiefs climbing a tree? When's the last time you climbed a tree to see Jesus? 
So it shows me a couple things here. He didn't care what people thought. He wasn't trying to impress the crowd. He was hungry for Jesus. And so when you're hungry, you do desperate things like you run and you climb trees. He didn't care if there was public scorn. And so I look at this and the Bible tells us there's a crowd there. But what's the majority of the crowd there for? Are they there because they're Jesus' fan club? They're like, I need a blessing today. I need a miracle today. But yet there's a man there who's desperate just to see him. I, I got to get in the presence of the Lord. I got to get around him. And so something deeper is going on on the inside of this guy named Zacchaeus. And you know what I believe it is? Zacchaeus is rich because the Bible said he was. But I believe what's happening, he knew there must be more to life than how he's living. How many of you have ever been in that place where you looked and said, there's got to be more to life than how I'm living? That's what's happening with him. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, Jesus looked up. That means he noticed him. I don't believe that was accidental. I believe that was a divine appointment. Jesus looks up and Jesus saw him. Jesus is drawn to this IRS agent. There's something there that Jesus realized. This guy is a magnet to me. So he looks up and he sees him and he said to him, Zacchaeus. Now think about this. He's up in the tree. And Jesus, Jesus notices him and then Jesus gives a word of knowledge and says, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus wets his pants and said, how did he know my name? Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. In other words, get your rear and gear and get out of that tree. For what? For today. For today. Not tomorrow, not next week. And so Jesus is revealing something right there. Today. Today. For today, I must stay at your house. Now, if you'll read into that, Jesus didn't say, hey, Zach, I need to stay at your house. Jesus said, I'm going to stay at your house. Why? Because I believe Jesus knew Zacchaeus had a divine appointment to be at his house. Verse 6. So Zacchaeus made haste, came down, and he received Jesus joyfully. In other words, he was happy, thrilled that Jesus came to his house. Zacchaeus is lit up. Jesus is coming to my house. But, verse 7, when they saw it, who's they? All the crowd. They all complained. The crowd complained. They grumbled saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. In other words, what's up with Jesus? Does he not know this guy is a crook? He's a thief? He's a liar? He's a traitor? And notice the word here. It says they all complained. They grumbled. They bellyached that Jesus would go to the house of a sinner. 
Now think about this. They're grumbling and complaining that Jesus has gone to a house of a sinner. Why is that such a big deal? Let me quote three verses for you out of Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2, for with the same measure that you judged, it'll be measured back to you. Verse 3, and why do you major on the speck in your brother's eye when you got a telephone pole in your own eye? How we doing out there? See, I remember a month or so ago, I said this. Would it ever matter to you or really bother you if someone that had been really bad to you got born again? Would you stomp your feet and say, Jesus, why did you save that rat? Now, I don't know this, but I really have the thought, there's people in the crowd right there that this dude had cheated. He had thieved them. And they're not real happy. But Jesus is good with it, so we keep reading here. We go a little farther. Then Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Now, I got to stop there because to me, this is what I call a whoa moment. Whoa! And, and what I mean by that is this lion thieving, cheating crook, he addresses the Lord Jesus as Lord. And you wonder how many people said, how dare him? Who does this little bitty Oompa Loompa cheating thief think he is? But the crazy thing about it is the Lord Jesus is okay with it. Jesus didn't say, Zach, don't do that, pal. Look, Lord, now listen to what he said here. I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What you see here, guys, is true repentance. Now, this is the law of retribution is what is this is talking about. You can find that in the book of Leviticus chapter 6 starting in verse 1. But in the law of retribution here, he goes far beyond what was told him to do. And what this literally means, it gives evidence of a changed heart. This dude, this tax collector got born again. And what you see here is a radical transformation that Jesus was okay with. So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, how many of us in here, we have some labels in our life that, that we bind ourselves to or other people want to remind you of the labels of your past? So they're all looking and saying, that thief, that cheater, that traitor. And think about this just for a second. What would be some of the labels of your life? Oh, pastor, don't do that to us. Why do I do that? Because everybody there that day was a sinner. Some of them just didn't know they were. How do I know that? 
Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And so what's the label in your life? But they didn't want that. They get mad. Verse number nine. And Jesus said to him, he said to Zacchaeus, today. Now remember in verse five, he said today. And now here we are today. Today, salvation has come to this house. Now can you imagine what those words meant to Zacchaeus? And he ends this and says, because also, he also is a son of Abraham. I could not believe how many notes I got off of this verse right here. I begin to write and I begin to write. Now listen, listen to some of this. He said, today salvation has come to his house because he also is a son of Abraham. Previously, because of physically, he was a son of Abraham. What's that mean? He was born Jewish. But now what you see, because of his repentance and his that of believing and confessing as the Lord Jesus, he's now become a spiritual son. It's no longer just a physical Jew. So the Lord Jesus, when he said this, he shocked the hearers in two ways. First of all, that this sinner would be called the son of Abraham. And second of all, they would have to admit that a fellow son of Abraham was lost and needed a savior. Why is that such a big deal? Because to this day, it's one of the things the Jews don't want. They don't want Jesus as a savior. But something happens to this Jewish tax collector. He gives his heart to Jesus, and Jesus makes this declaration. of He's a son of God. He's a son of the Most High now. His name is registered in heaven. Why? Because he said salvation has come to his house. So you know what that shows me? It doesn't matter your past. Jesus is still into coming to people's house. He's okay with that. It doesn't bother him. And watch what Jesus says in verse number 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In other words, this was the mission of, sinner, of, of Jesus. This was his goal. Right? This is why he came. Jesus, he wasn't into sin, but he was into the sinner. And he still does these things to this day. And so when I read this, let me ask you a question here. Who does your life right now resemble more? You look more like Zacchaeus? Or do you look more like the crowd? When's the last time you climbed a tree? Which time, the last time you, you ran? You ran for the things of the Lord? See, many times I believe this as Christians. We only want enough of Jesus to satisfy us. We don't want enough of Jesus to change us. Huh. 
And you know who Jesus gravitates for or towards? Those ones that have a growling stomach. Those ones that say, I'm hungry for more of you, Lord Jesus. I need more of you, Lord Jesus. One last passage. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. So we get here to Revelation 3. I'm only going to read one verse in here. Jesus wrote to seven churches. The very last church is the church of Laodicea. Revelations 3, verse 14. Laodicea was a very prominent city. A lot of money. Jesus specifically says to the people, the church, remember, these are church folk, to the church of Laodicea. He said, I know your works. I know your deeds. I know your actions. And he said, you're neither cold, you're neither frozen with apathy, or you're neither hot with boiling over with passion. So literally right here, when the Lord Jesus is writing to this church, he's writing to a lukewarm church, a mediocre church, a complacent church, a little dab will do me church. And ultimately the Lord Jesus says to these folk at the church, he said, you make me want to throw up. Wow. And later in the same passage, they said, we're rich. We have need of nothing. Who rich is scary. If Jesus is in the center of your life. Verse 20. Revelations 3 verse 20. Behold, I, the Lord Jesus, stand at the door and knock. If anyone, and you may want to put in brackets, if anyone. When Jesus uses the word anyone, you know what he means? Anyone. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. What this literal meaning is of this, that in old Jewish customs, if you were going to get married, you, the groom, would go to the door of the bride and you would literally knock. And if the bride fully opened the door, this literally meant, yes, I will be the bride. Now, Hang on that word, if you fully open the door. It didn't say if you would just barely crack the door. Fully open the door. Listen to what he said. I will come into him and dine with him and him with me. See, you know what I see off of this? Jesus is into dining. He's not into snacking. Jesus is into dining. He's not into fast food. Jesus is not into a drive-up window. Now here's a thought for you off of the word dining. 
When you go eat at McDonald's, do you call ahead and say, I need to set up a reservation? They would hang up on you and say, you stupid idiot. (laughs) Maybe not in quite those words, but... But when you're into dining, that means you're going to make a reservation. And when you think about the word dining, he literally said here that I want to dine with you and you with me. And so what Jesus is into, Jesus is into a relationship. Jesus wants to dine. He wants me and you to make a reservation with us. And when we think about dining with the Lord, dining with the Lord is not this. Sorry if that hurts you. When Jesus talks about dining, he wants to fellowship with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants our undivided attention. Now, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you sat down and dined with Jesus? Because we know biblically this is his heart's desire. I want to dine with you. If you lose me here on the live stream for a minute, tough. That's why you need to be here in person. How many times have you sat before the Lord lately? See, in the parable of the the sowers in Mark chapter 4, specifically verse 19, the Lord Jesus said this. Because we get caught up in the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, it chokes out my work. So if I was to do a survey right now and I was to go throughout the congregation here and I would ask you a question, how are you? The number one and number two answers to that question would, if I looked at Justin and said, how are you? He would say, I'm busy. And if I, 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 I looked at, at CJ and said, how are you? He would say, I'm tired. See, we're all busy. We're all tired because of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. He who has the most toys wins. That's a lie, okay? My point in this is, I got to start making reservations with Jesus. I, I got to start making time to get into his presence, to dine with him. He, he wants to dine. And sometimes we think this, the Lord never speaks to me. It's because I never dine with him. And, and sometimes I'm just like you. I, I got so much junk up here that I tell the Lord, there's no more room up here. And it's like the Lord when he spoke to the two sisters in Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. He talked to this this woman named Martha and Mary. And he looked at it and said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled and worried about too many things. Maybe that defines me right now. But then in the same passage, he said, but Mary's found the good part. And what was the good part? She sits at my feet and hears my word. She takes time to dine with me, to get in the presence of the Lord. And so every bit of the things we're talking about today, it reveals my appetite. Do I hunger for the things of God? And the last thing I'm going to do is cast a stone. 
Because I realize with this with me, and many times you, you've heard me say, the days that I take time and I be still and know he's God, and I sit right here, things begin to happen. But how many times do, do I stiff arm the Lord and say, I just got too much going on? In other words, you're not priority, Lord. I told the first service this. I said, I double dog dare you to start giving the Lord five, five minutes of quality time with him. And some of you are like, five minutes? Be careful. Be careful with five minutes. Five minutes can seem like a day when you've never be still. You know what that means? Don't take your phone, okay? Don't take your laptop. Don't take the cares of your day. In other words, those five minutes as I get before the Lord and I get still and I say, Father God, grace me in my focus. Grace me to be, be attentive to you. And when I ask the Lord to begin to speak to me, if I'll get in that situation with dying, he'll show up. And too many of us in the body of Christ, and I said too many of us, we don't die. We're into fast food. We treat Jesus like an ATM. Now, now, now. But Jesus is into dining. Why don't you stand up here with me? Who passed? You preached really good. We're going to keep you around for another week. I appreciate your hearts here. This, and I believe this is. This is critical and crucial all at the same time. Let me ask you something. This will identify you. How many of you in here have a desire to hear from the Lord? Looks pretty close to unanimous. But do I do what it takes to hear from the Lord? See, he doesn't, want a, he doesn't want a sliver of my heart. He wants my whole heart. Where I come before him and it's like, Lord, this, this is impossible without you. I gotta have you. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right there and close your eyes. Just be, be, be real reverent before the Lord. I believe he's moving right now. I believe the word of God cut some of us to heart today. And in Acts 2, when the word of God cut, cut people to heart, they said to Peter, they said, Peter, what do we do? And he said, you got to repent. You got to get born again. You got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here this morning, just, just be real reverent because I believe God's going to start moving here. If you're like Zacchaeus today and you say, I need a today encounter with the Lord. And you know God's dealing with your heart. And so just for a second, don't, don't be moved by who's around you. Don't be moved by anybody in here, but your relationship with you and God. And I say that because today you may need to run. Today you may need to climb a tree. Today you may need to walk this aisle and say, I, I don't care. 
I don't care what anybody thinks. I need an encounter with Jesus, whether that's for salvation to start with. If that's you here today, don't, don't miss today. Because remember, he said, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. And so he's into saving today. If that's you, I welcome you right now. I, I got to have Jesus right now. Is there anybody in here that wants to make that commitment? Thank you. Wow. Come on, come on, keep coming. I don't want to be an auctioneer and start auctioning you guys off. Come on. There's just a bunch of you coming, man. It's a good thing. Anybody else say, I, I, I need Jesus? This, this may help you a little bit with that. Are you on the wrong road right now? Are you on that broad road, that wide road? And remember, that road is the road that leads to destruction. Come on, man, keep coming. Keep on coming. Here they come. Praise the Lord. I, I, I get tickled with this, and only the people that pray with me on Tuesday night know why I get tickled. <laughs> Our prayers are availing. <laughs> the goodness of God. Let, let me just share some real quick off of that. The Lord challenged us last week in prayer and said, I, I want you to believe me for the month of November. We're going to see more salvations than we've ever seen in the church. <laughs> Woo! Wow. Come on, ladies. Come on. God, God loves you. He loves every one of us. and We all have labels of sin that have tried to bind us. But it didn't move Jesus. He doesn't care what you did. All he's asking for us right now is to repent of our sin. And then we're going to ask him to be Lord of our lives, just like the Bible talks about. So you all that's down here and everybody in here, I, I just want you to say this and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you as a sinner. Lord, I come to you as a triple threat. I've stumbled, fumbled, and fallen. And I ask you today, forgive me of all my sin. And Lord Jesus, just like Zacchaeus, I declare you as Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me today. Grace me today. Breathe on me today. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Come on, we gotta clap for that one. The second area I believe we gotta deal with is Am I lukewarm? 
Am I just playing games? Do I come to church out of duty? Do I come to church just to tell everybody at work tomorrow? What'd you do? Well, I went to church. See, every one of us in here, and this is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit would go after me this weekend. He would say over and over, I'm not into snacking. I'm into dining. And I believe this morning, he's just looking for a heart that says, let, let, let me back in. Let, let me back in. And, and think about this, he's still knocking. And as our team's getting ready to play, if you have that desire to say, man, I, I need God, I need a stir, I need, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for more of you today, Lord. I need a touch of heaven today that begins to move in my life, that begins to change me. That same radical transformation that took place with Zacchaeus would take place with me. So as they sing, if that's you, and I welcome you to come down here and say, go to work with me, Father God. Go to work with me, Lord Jesus. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.